athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. We're going to be joined today by Old Corn State head football coach Fred McNair, by Bowie State head football coach, interim head football coach, that is Kyle Jackson, and we're going to be joined by Duke head football coach Mike Elko. All of that today here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Plus, HBCU football season kicks off on Saturday. We've got three football games. You've got Florida Memorial and Edward Waters playing in the Big Cat Classic in Miami Gardens. You've got Florida A&M and UNC playing, and then you have the HBCU National Game of the Week. It's the MEAC versus the SWAC. It is Howard versus Alabama State. And I'm going to preview that football game for you today here on the program. MEAC versus SWAC. It is Howard versus Alabama State. And so this should be, I think, an interesting football game. Um, You know, last year when you thought about the MEAC SWAC Challenge and all that the MEAC had been through, Uh, entering the 2021 season. Uh, First of all, not having played in 2020 because of COVID or played in the spring of 2021 like other conferences did, including the SWAT. So entering, so basically the last season prior uh, of football, prior to the 2021 season was 2019. I mean, you did have, you know, I mean, you you didn't have MEAC play, but you had Howard, Delaware State, um, that that play, South Carolina State that played uh, some football games. Uh, but coming uh, entering last year's MEAC SWAC Challenge, a lot of upheaval when you're talking about the MEAC. North Carolina A&T, the first to leave to join the Big South. Then shortly thereafter, Florida A&M leaves to join the SWAC. Sh- very shortly thereafter that, Bethune-Cookman also leaves to join the SWAC. So now you're down to six football playing institutions. Everybody thinks the MEAC uh, is dead in the water. And ultimately, that game between Alcorn State and North Carolina Central, I think most would have thought, I would have too, that Alcorn State would have been the favorite coming into that football game. Alcorn State's domination of the SWAC, the last, especially the Eastern Division, the last six or seven years um, has been duly noted. It's been almost historic in some respects. And then you had a North Carolina Central team that definitely had some talent, no question about that. Um, You have, uh, you know, Trey Oliver as uh, the the head football coach, although he had a 2019 season, didn't have a 20 season, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And North Carolina Central pulled off that football game. I think that was a bit of an upset. This game between Howard 
in Alabama State a little, little, you know, you have some storylines, right? You've got Eddie Robinson Jr., now the head football coach at Alabama State in his first season. Um, you know, you've got Larry Scott at Howard. I think Howard's going to be improved this year. And I'm going to start with Howard. I want to start with Howard. I want to start, it begins from an offensive perspective, but it's not the only thing they have offensively. I think Howard is going to have a pretty solid offense, but it begins with the quarterback, Quentin Williams. He's really shown some flashes that, and, and, and I think last year he really did some really good things. Um, he's a guy that can pass the football. He's got good, you know, good pocket presence. I mean, when you look at him, he threw for over 2,300 yards last year, 16 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He also completed 58% of his passes on last year. And he's a guy that can run with the football. I think the latter part of the season is where you really saw Williams kind of come out. I remember sitting down and watching a Thursday night game. It was Howard and Morgan State. And Boy, it was on. It was on ESPNU. It, it was just. It may, it may have been a Friday night, actually. It was just not a very good football game uh, at all. Neither team looked good, and I think Morgan, if I'm if I if if I'm not mistaken, Morgan came out with the victory. But I think Williams looked better the second half of the season, and he has a deep threat in Antoine Murray. Seven touchdown receptions. He caught somewhere like. 30, 33 balls, but he averaged over 19 yards per carry. So he's a guy that's a deep threat. And I think the receiving core uh, for Howard is going to be pretty solid. But And, and the offensive line is going to be good for Howard. It's coming in as well. But I think where the Bison will excel this year is in the running back department. You've got Ian Willer and you've got uh, Jarrett Hunter. Uh, these two combined rushed for over 1,000 yards last year and 11 touchdowns. So when you look at Howard um, from that perspective, I mean, I think this is a very, very solid offense. Let's look at Alabama State's defense. I think this is where Alabama State is going to be strong. And, and I talked about the passing game. I think Howard's passing game is going to be really, really good uh, with Williams and a deep threat Murray. But when you look at this Alabama State defense, the strength of the defense is in the secondary. HBCU All-American, Urshad Davis is the safety. So he's a guy that um, can get it done both in the run game. I mentioned Howard's run game is going to be key. He's going to have to be a key uh, to that. Now, if he's coming up and making a lot of tackles, that's going to be a bit of an issue, I think, for Alabama uh, State. If Urshad Davis from his safety position has to come up uh, and make a lot of tackles. But this young man can play. And then also in the secondary, you have Natron Culpepper and Keenan Isaac. So this makes for a very formidable Albany, uh, excuse me, Alabama State defense that I think is going to be one that is going to be pretty uh, solid and is going to have to be pretty solid when going up against a Howard offense. I think, you know, with Larry, I mean, I think Larry Scott's a really, really good football coach. I think he's got a good staff. You know, Howard has, has not been very good lately. Uh, in terms of its football program. And it, it, it hasn't necessarily been historically outside of the late 80s through the mid-90s when you talk about, you know, Jay Walker and all of those guys. I mean, they had some really, really, Steve Wilson was the coach. He had some really, really good football teams. But Howard, you know, it's, it's an academically driven institution. And it's much like, I would compare it very much to Duke 
when you're talking about from a foot from an academic perspective and not not getting um not being able to really elevate that football program um, as it relates to what the how the university is seen uh, and known notably both universities for that matter really throughout the world and and not as much on the football uh, side but we'll see I think Larry Scott can change that uh, particularly with uh, some commitment uh, from the university uh, as a whole let's take a look at Alabama State's Offense, okay, no Ryan Nettles. Uh, first of all, again, as I mentioned, Donald Hill Ely had been the, the head coach there four or five years. He's not there anymore. Enter Eddie Robinson Jr., um, who is an alum, and uh, he's, he's, he's hit the ground running. No Ryan Nettles at the quarterback. We saw him and some of the things that he could do, some of the potential uh, that he had on last year. But all, Alabama State brings in Auburn, transfer quarterback Demetrius Davis or Demetrius Davis excuse me for mispronouncing um, his name now he, he didn't take a snap he's a highly he was a highly recruited uh, quarterback out of high school in Texas uh, didn't take a snap at Auburn uh, they like him uh, there in Montgomery so we'll see I mean you're entering sort of a different you know high, I mean in, in, in Texas high school, uh, football is big time, no question about it, but this is the college level, and it's going to be a Howard team that I think is going to be tough. Uh, I'll talk more about the Howard defense momentarily. Uh, no Ezra Gray at the running back uh, position, but you got a young man by the name of Ja'Cory Merritt who actually led the Hornets last year in terms of carries. He had 120 carries. He had five touchdowns. He averaged about three and a half yards per carry, uh, while he had the most carries, he wasn't the main back. I would still consider Ezra, Ezra, uh, the Gray, the main back. However, Jacory Merritt got a majority of uh, carries, so they're going to have to rely um, um, on, I, I think, Merritt a little bit, and we'll see um, what Mister Davis looks like in terms of being able to throw that football. Highly recruited kid. Um, it didn't play at Auburn, so we'll see ultimately uh, what that looks like. Going against the Howard defense that really, I mean, really has to improve. Um, you know, one of the keys to that defense, defensive lineman Darian Brokenberg. Now, this is a young man that had three and a half sacks last year, had five tackles for loss. He's, he's, he's able to, you know, uh, tie those offensive linemen up. Uh, and allow for some of the linebackers to be able to make plays uh, for the Bison. He's going to have to be key, um, obviously, uh, for Howard defensively uh, against Alabama State, who, again, we, we still have some unknown at the at the quarterback position, but the offensive line at Alabama State right now is pretty good. But I think Ja'Cory merits that guy that's going to break out uh, from a running back um, perspective. And uh, he's going to carry the load. I mean, this is a guy that had 120 carries uh, as your secondary running back last year. I mean, that's that's a fair amount of carries. That's about 12 carries a game. I think you'll see that up to maybe 15, 16 carries uh, per game throughout the course of the season. Maybe in this game he gets 20 uh, carries. I think if he is able to get that many carries in the ball game and get, you know, somewhere right around 100 yards. So I think that may bode well. Uh, for for Alabama State hard to really kind of predict these kinds of games first game of the season 
Um, it's not a, it's not like it's a conference game where you can really gauge, and, and generally you don't play conference games early on, uh, but where you can kind of get a feel for what may be happening. These, this is, you know, two leagues that um, probably need, I think, need to probably play more games, talking about the MIAC and the SWAC outside of, of, uh, of classics, uh, if you will. I mean, you saw the last couple of seasons where Alabama A&M and South Carolina State played. So we, hopefully we'll see more uh, of that in the very near future. But it's hard to really get a gauge. Um, I'm going to give you a prediction. Um, I, I am going to give you a prediction. Of course, this game is in Atlanta. Um, I think this is a game that Howard is going to win. Um, I think that Quentin Williams um, has improved. Um, last year, again, second half of the season, I thought he did well, had a good spring. You know, he's got some weapons. He's got a running game. He's got some receivers. Um, he's got a good offensive line. And while I don't know that Howard's defense is great, you know, there are some question marks to me right now, as we stand right now coming in, we could see coming out of this game where the Alabama State offense uh, really sits. So I'm going to, I don't, I don't know about the score. I don't know if it's going to be a high scoring game or anything like that. It's just a first game prediction. Uh, you know, we may get into predicting scores and all of those kind of things, or at least, uh, you know, saying what the score range may be as we do these each and every week with these HBCU National Games of the Week previews. But uh, that said, I like Howard over Alabama State. Your thoughts on Twitter at BoxToRo, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Up next, Poe State interim head football coach, Kyle Jackson. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance is proud to support the 6th Annual Box to Row Countdown to Kickoff. We look forward to another fantastic season of HBCU football filled with great games, rivalries, pageantry, and unforgettable fall Saturdays. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance works with local partners to grow the sporting event industry in our area. The GRSA has an extensive track record of securing and hosting successful tournaments and championships, resulting in significant economic impact for the region and an enhanced quality of life for our residents. To learn more, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RaleighNC Sports. Best of luck to all area HBCU football programs this season. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Salt Box, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Yo, yo, yo. Hit me! 
the 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl inside the world's largest state fair. It's going down. Are you ready? One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. What did you just say? Come early for the fair. Stay later for the game. One ticket. Also, also. At 4 p.m. performing live on the Chevy Main Stage. Grammy Award winning Ashanti. Live. Then, then the classic kicks off at a new time. 6 p.m. Watch two new head coaches battle it out for the first time. The battle gets bigger at halftime. When the world-famed Tiger Marching Band takes on the Prairie View A&M Marching Store. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. And Methodist Hospital. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. If you're the league, this is the reason you settled. A, to me, it goes back to Roger Goodell, right? So you can tell me he's getting somebody else to kind of review the case, all of that. At the end of the day, Roger Goodell is running the show, probably going to get the 16-game suspension. I think the other thing to this is if the players' union decides to sue, it goes to federal court. The mediator gave a six-game suspension. This goes back to federal court. A lot of these judges think like-mindedly. So, I mean, I couldn't have imagined that it would have been any more than six games. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. On the line, we're joined by a gentleman in his first season as the interim head football coach at Bowie State. Bowie State has had so much success in part because of this gentleman. The Bulldogs ranked number three in the HBCU football poll coming into the season amongst the media. And Kyle Jackson uh, is our guest. What's going on, Coach Jackson? Not too much, man. Thank you, Don. I appreciate you for having me, man. Taking some time out to get an opportunity to let me come on your show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I mean, got to, right? Like you guys. And, and again, as I mentioned, a lot of the success, success is because of you. I want to take you back, though, to the 20th. And, you know, Bowie, Bowie State is not terribly far uh, from Baltimore, but you held your first scrimmage at in Baltimore at Dun, at famed Dunbar, which is being known more now for some football players. Although we know Dunbar is <laughs> a basketball school. Your school, as a matter of fact, you attended. Uh, but but how was that? And talk about what went in in terms of playing your first scrimmage at Dunbar. Uh, well, this is something that we kind of adapted last year. Um, you know, coming out of COVID, we didn't have the best uh, – we didn't have the opportunity to get out and recruit as much as we wanted to. Um, so we tried to, you know, think of creative ways to get ourselves back in the community. So um, we we ended up, you know, doing like some like some satellite scrimmages at certain schools and things like that in areas that we recruited. So last year uh, we had the opportunity to um, get go up to Mervo in Baltimore and held a scrimmage there. And then also we went to Friendship Collegiate in Washington, D.C., um, and it's like I say, this past year, we went to Paul Lawrence Dunbar, um, the home of we have about four guys from Dunbar on our roster as of now, uh, but also had a lot of those guys come through our program. I uh, have a real good relationship with Coach Lawrence Smith um, and Michael Carter, who's the offensive coordinator there. Um, 
you know, so it was one of those things where it was no question that, you know, we were going back to Baltimore, we go check out uh, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Joshua Pryor, who was one of our uh, best players on the team. Um, that's his home, you know, so having given him the opportunity to go back home and uh, practice in front of some of his former, his former teammates and coaches, um, I think it was a good deal for us. A little bit more for you, literally, a little bit more for you than three months on the job as the interim head football coach <laughs> had, had Bowie State. What has that been like? Oh, man, it's <laughs> – I could – I wouldn't have painted this picture just a couple of months ago, man, you know, but it's been one of those things. Um, we we preach next man up in this program, you know. You got to be ready regardless of what the situation is. Um, I, You know, me and Coach Wilson talked a lot, you know, prior to him leaving, and, you know, he asked me my career goals. And um, head coach was it, – it wasn't there at first, but, you know, being underneath of him for some time, you know, being mentored by him, it kind of became an aspiration. Um that aspiration became a reality a lot sooner than expected, though, you know. Um, so it's been one of those things where I embrace the change. I embrace this change. There's been a lot of change going going that has happened within the program. Uh, but I've, I've embraced it because at the end of the day, this show still goes on. Uh, regardless of who's here, who's not here, understanding that everybody that stepped on the field with Bowie State University um, it's going to try to they, they want to win the game. They want to get a, a, you know, get a mark in that win column. So um, it's been my it's, it's been my um, my goal is to win every day, you know. So from, you know, making sure the coaches, players, support staff, everybody understands the task at hand um, and driving that and driving the same vision, you know, making sure that we all on the same page. So um, it's been it's been interesting, but um, I'm enjoying the process, man. I'm learning a lot about myself. Learning a lot about the uh, the people that surround me, and I look forward. I look forward to putting this this, uh, this talent on display. Yeah, I think what's interesting too: three things. You're a Bowie State alum. One, two, you've been a recruiting coordinator. Three, you've been a defensive coordinator. So you've been, while maybe not the head guy, you've been in positions um, of leadership. Can you speak mm-hmm. to how those things help to translate in in getting you more comfortable as the head coach? Absolutely. Um, one from from being a recruiting coordinator. Um, a lot of the guys in the program, um, I recruited. I helped recruit it, you know, so I've built relationship with these guys. So um, transitioning to the defensive coordinator position, I was already – I had already built a strong relationship with not just my position, but with that side of the ball. Um, so um, understanding that role from being a defensive coordinator and the guys buying in and trusting me throughout the springtime um, – it kind of made the it kind of made the transition to the head coach a little bit easier because the guys the offensive guys seen and they know my coaching style and my philosophy they understand how I work so now having the reins over top of the whole program um it kind it kind of fell in line you know so um a lot of the guys the offensive guys were excited about me taking over um you know just because of some of the things that you, the rich tradition that we have defensively um having that over the whole team. It's been, you know, it's one of the things that they've been excited about. So um, it's kind of been an easy transition, but, you know, changes, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we can't fight, um, you know, so we had our ups and downs. But um, one thing that I can say that keep me going and keep me motivated is the guys, you know, because at any given time with things, the way that things going now with this transfer portal, the guys could have, the guys could have up and left, you know, but they showed me that they believe in me and they trust in me. They decided to stay. Um, so I owe, I owe it all to them. You know, every day I come to work, man, I put my hard hat on for these guys. So I'm going to continue to do that from the time that I'm here. 
Kyle Jackson, the interim head football coach at Bowie State, joins us here. I got to start with that man child. You talk about defense. <laughs> you got to talk about Joshua Pryor. I mean, been singing his praises since his freshman year. Not, I mean, he didn't make all CIAA first team, you know, last year. I mean, that's, I guess that's how things go, although he's, he's one of the best players in the country. Speak to him, his maturation, and the expectation for him this season. Um, Josh, I mean, like you said, he's a man child, man. He he shows why he is, you know, why he has received the recognition that he has. And he de- he does that daily. Um, he's a guy that a lot of guys on the team look up to. Um, his presence alone, you know, you can feel a difference when he's in the meeting room, when he's at practice, when he's in the weight room. You can feel a difference in the energy, you know. Um, so he's a guy that I'm looking to. To be in the leadership role, Josh is not a man of many words, but his presence is felt. Um, You feel his energy whenever he's around, you know, so I'm not looking for him to be a a vocal leader, but understanding they know when it's time to work that Josh is going to put in work, you know. So um, I've been with Josh since his red shirt freshman year, and you talk about a three-time All-American, three-time All-Conference guy, um, and many more awards that that he has received um, he's looking forward to this um, to this senior year, senior campaign. You know, he said he got three rings the first three seasons. He won't finish with four. So um, that's the goal. Well, my apologies, I mean five, because the goal is always to win the national championship coming into the season. So uh, we're trying to get two. We're going, we're going to work to get two rings this year. Bowie State head football coach, interim head football coach, Kyle Jackson joining us here on the program. Maybe, this, maybe you got some different skill you, you do skill position guys offensively, right? But the, I mean, Quentin Bobo, Mark Murphy, come back on the offensive line. That's a constant. Maybe you got some other starters. Speak to those two guys, specifically Bobo, who is in, who is an HBCU All-American. Um, Quentin Bobo is a, he's a, he's a blue collar guy. Um, you know, he's not about the glitz and glams. He just come to work every day. Um, and he's get, he's gotten better every day since he's been at Bowie State University. I've watched Bobo matriculate through the program. Um, he's a grad. He's actually a grad student for us uh, this upcoming year. But I've watched him matriculate from a walk-on to a scholarship athlete, and it's all from hard work. It's all from hard work. So definitely, you need those type of guys, especially on your offensive line. Um, and then you talk about a Mark Murphy. He's a guy, another guy who's matriculated through the through the program. He'll be a grad student as well. Um, but another guy who has watched, you know, from the year from the years where we had a um, a Brian Redman. Um, you know, he had a he had a senior class, about four or five seniors in front of him. He watched those guys uh put in the hard work and then watch him come together and put it and put it all together. So those two guys will definitely anchor the offensive line. Um and then we have a young guy returning who who started as a freshman last year in Cameron Porter. Um looking for a lot of good things out of that group. You know, even with this past scrimmage, seeing some positives um that I look forward to seeing on the third. Like your quarterback room for like the last six or seven years has been unbelievable. <laughs> even when, right. even when you you had a uh, forget the guy you had a kid and he got injured and you step in and you guys have just been unbelievable in that department. So I mean, who who's who's going to be that guy? Are you in a quarterback battle this year? Who who may be that guy to emerge? Uh, so right now we are we do have a quarterback battle going on, and both of them actually played some for us last year. Um, you have DJ Golai, who was a transfer from uh, Morgan State last year, and then Larry Williams, who was a transfer from Valley Forge. 
Um, so both of those guys have had tremendous, tremendous off seasons from a leadership standpoint, but also from, you know, changing their body and things like that. You know, they attacked, they attacked the weight room this summer. Um, and then coming into camp, uh, both of them, both of them have been having great camps, you know, um, the biggest thing is, you know, who's going to get it, who's going to get it done. So both of those guys understand the situation at hand. Um, and I look forward to seeing who's going to, who's going to separate themselves. But right now, those, both of those guys have been working hard so i'm excited to see what both of them bring no doubt about it Bowie state of course nationally ranked at number three in the hbcu media poll opens the season as a matter of fact against the university of new haven and that is a home game on saturday september the third the interim head football coach of Bowie state is kyle jackson as he joins us here coach jackson appreciate the time good luck to you and the bulldogs this season thank you i appreciate it man i look forward to bridging with you again Allcorn State head football coach Fred McNair is up next. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I would say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for Black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all, and and be able to create history. It's just it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused. It's really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. <laughs> you can get to it. Man, you know what is good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melogs. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Winston-Salem State, I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad 
uh, with the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a... No big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was playing for Coach Day. He gave me the keys to, to the car, and I was driving it in first eight games. And you know, being a part of something special like that, and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one, is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. We are joined by Alcorn State's 7th year head football coach, Fred McNair here. It's been a while, Coach McNair. How you doing? It's been a while. I'm doing great, man. Just trying to trying to maintain, trying to get everything situated for this season, man. You know how it go. No, I do. I do. Let me ask you this. I mean, you you were, you know, you made the move to the to the uh, Western Division. Alcorn State made the move to the Western mm-hmm. Division. You were within a game possibly of playing in the in the SWAC championship game, but you ruled the East for many, many years. Two straight SWAC championships, as a matter of fact. I think it was like, what, six straight, something like that, Eastern Division championships. You've been picked to finish second in the West. Does your team feel some kind of, I don't want to call it disrespect, but in a way, I mean, you were you all were 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 really doing a really winning championships and doing a lot for a long time, and now it seems like seems like maybe we or people are not talking about the Braves as much. No, I, I mean we kind of put things in perspective, you know, moving uh, moving to the west and side of the other division um, as a team, you know, it's it's no different than than playing on the east and. We always played the Southern, the Grambling, and the Previews when we was on the East Side. So, other than Texas Southern Pine Bluff, um, got a chance to visit them um, this past year uh, in '21. <clears throat> you know, but you know, sometimes it's always be the, always nice to be the hunter. Sometimes, you know, instead of being the hunted, um, you know, we we did some good things here with this program, and 
was able to capitalize on a lot of things that we had opportunities to capitalize on in terms of what we're doing now in preparation for this season on the, on the West side is get ready for game one in the conference. Um, you know, uh, Pine Bluff, they'll come here for our first conference game. So um, we just got to weather the storm. The first three ball game we got against uh, Stephen F. Austin here at home. And we go to Tulane and we go to North uh, McNeese State. So um, just weather those storms there and, and get ready for the conference. And, uh, you know, it's been good, um, you know, what we're doing here. And the kids are excited about uh, where we're at now. We know where we need to be once we, we play that last ball game in 21. And what we had to go out and do as coaches to address some of the positions uh, that we need to address in, in terms of getting more depth uh, for our football program and where it needs to be. So I thought that we did a great job as coaching staff of addressing those needs um, in terms of those positions. So we're excited about it. The kids been we've been biting at the bits to get started here. And um, we've been banging on each other for the last couple of weeks. So um, got a couple more weeks before our first ball game. So we're, we're anxious to see where we're going to be at when, when uh, September 30 comes. You know, I'm, I, I'd like to know, um, you know, we, we'll talk about last season, but it's, it was a lot going on uh, last season. Is everything straight in terms of some of the stuff that was happening with, you know, training staff and all of those kind of things? Has all of that been taken care of there at Alcorn State for you? Yeah, we're, we're, we're past that, and uh, I thought that we did a great job of going out and finding the, the people to put in old places and uh, in terms of training and strength conditioning and all that kind of stuff, so... Uh, we weathered the storm there and got some guys in it that really want to be here and help this, help these programs, not only just football, but uh, the athletic program. So uh, I thought that we did a great job of identifying the guys that we needed to to come in and, and make these programs better in terms of strength conditioning and the medical staff. So uh, just going out, reaching out, getting those guys to get in here and glad to have them aboard and, and working with us and all. So uh, we're excited about it and they're doing a great job so far. So um, and keeping our guys healthy and, and getting them stronger and faster and bigger and, and try, making some lose weight. So um, pretty much satisfied where we're at right now. Six and five last year. Your your thoughts right there um, for the, your first year in the Western Division, you know, had an opportunity mm-hmm. uh, maybe to, to claim it. I uh, uh, didn't, but uh, your thoughts on the season in 2021? Well, you know, the, the biggest thing is you're not, you're not always happy with the record that you – that you um, end up with, um, and, uh, and in the phase of each game that we lost, we was always in the in the game. We could at least won it. Um, we just look at it from that standpoint. Uh, but if you go back and look at it, you know if the if that op long football bounce either way, you know we're still in the game to win it. Um, you know, and a lot of things have to happen during the course of those games. You know, injury bugs happens and you get hurt, and the ball don't bounce away sometimes and and you have a few letdowns in position and stuff like that, you know, it happens. But in terms of that, um, you know, we still finished six to five, uh, still had a winning record, um, just didn't turn out the way we wanted to be um, moving over in the West. So we're looking for bigger and better things this coming season in 22. The coaching staff, is it pretty much intact from last year? No, we had a totally uh, defensive overhaul. Um, you know, Coach Cedric Thomas, he came back. Um, the BID coordinator, he was with me in 16 and, and 17. Um, Terenzo Quinn is our safety coach. He was here before. Um, the new addition that we do have is Coach Jonathan Bradley, uh, defensive line coach. He was with our uh, Coach Thomas over at Pine Bluff. Uh, Deion Robeson, 
um, same position, uh, coaching linebackers for us. He's all connect. Um, Matthew Quinn, Matthew uh, Brown, uh, he's been with me forever. You know, end up putting him as a nickel coach and doing an outstanding job. And Coach Thomas, he is the corner coach right now. So those guys have been been very good for us in terms of teaching and and the knowledge they're giving the players to be successful uh, in 2022. So I'm excited about where we are with the coaching staff and the way the players are are really uh, grasping to these coaches and getting as much knowledge they can uh, before game one. Fred McNair in his seventh season as the head football coach at Alcorn State joins us here on the program. Felix Harper is gone. I mean, he's, no more Felix Harper. It was wonderful, you know, for you for all of those years. Um, what is not having a guy uh, like that? And then can you speak to, you know, if the season started today, who your starting quarterback would be? You know, the biggest thing is, you know, throughout the whole throughout the whole campaign, uh, since I've been here, we always had quarterbacks to step in and, and um, uh, first guy get hurt, next guy step up. Even go back to the John Gibbs uh, situation when he was here. Uh, Lenore's footman stepped right in and not miss a beat. You know, uh, when uh, Noah Johnson was here at quarterback, he gets hurt. Uh, Felix step in and you don't miss a beat. You know, we still win championships. So um, we got some guys at the quarterback ham right now that's going to be that's very competitive. Um, we move Coach um, Jason Phillips from receiver coach to a quarterback coach now. Uh, he's doing a great job with those guys that we got at that position, and uh, it's very competitive. Those guys have got different attributes and what they do, what they can, what they can do. Um, but it sends some good things out of all of them. So um, we're just going to work and see how this thing play out, and maybe one of them will take charge and say, look, I'm the guy that's going to run this offense. So we're just waiting um, to reveal that that guy that's going to really take the reins and, and uh, run this offense for us. Yeah, that's why I'm sort of laughing a little bit. You didn't, you didn't name any names for me, Coach. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not necessarily saying a starter. Is it? Is a, can you say <laughs> who the guys are? Battle? If not, it's fine. I'm just asking. Yeah, I, I can, I can tell you the name of the guy. Fred McNair is one of them. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, nah, just uh, yeah, yeah. I wish I could come back and play another year quarterback, man. <laughs> I tell you, missed old days too. But just to see the knowledge of those guys, young, you got um. Trey Lawrence, uh, he's one of the guys. Um, Montavious Quinn, he's another guy. Uh, Cole Williams, and you got uh, Aaron Allen, Aaron Allen, um, the four guys we have on the list. So those guys have been doing very good with Coach Phillip, uh, coaching them up and doing what they they supposed to do schematically with the offense and reading the concepts and all that kind of stuff. So they've been really good. Um, very competitive room. Uh, they 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 really pushes each other. Uh, in terms of what they do in each and every play. Uh, you can see it in them. So I'm excited about that room right now. Plus, Coach, you've already exhausted your eligibility anyway, but we're going to actually talk about those <laughs> great playing days that you had at Alcorn State. Great player. Great player at Alcorn State. And, and even in the professional ranks uh, in the AFL. So whoever the quarterback is, Nico Duffy, um, you're running back. He's back for you. Um so talk about him. I mean, he's been a really good player for you the last several years. Yeah, Nico has been a really solid guy, man. He, he's very, very, very active. Um, he's a very exciting runner, too. You know, he he not only run outside, he run between the tackles as well. So that's what's impressed me a lot with him. He's not afraid to go between the tackles and run the football. And uh, sometimes that's some of those his best runs anyway, uh, between the tackles. So 
Uh, he's been he's been phenomenal since he's been here. You know, been a great, great, great contribution to this program and the things that he can do so well. Even catching the ball out of the backfield does a real good job with the ball in space. You were a great football player. That a great football. Everybody's great, right? These days, everybody's great. You were a great football player at Alcorn State. Um, what do you remember most about those days playing at at Alcorn State, where you switched from receiver to to quarterback? You know, I guess the biggest thing that that that, that I remember was how um, how the team just gelled together and became just one. You know, everybody stuck together and and performed at a high level. You know, whether it's on the offense or defense side of the ball, you know, it, it was never no I. It was always us or we, you know, uh, in terms of how way we played the game. And, you know, the biggest thing was that I can remember, you know, just just playing with some guys that that that, that been in the league before. Uh, offensive tackle Dwayne White, receiver Torrance Small, Cedric Tillman, you know, just playing with those guys, um, you know, meant so much to me that the way they played the game and, and the way they come back and, and, and being very supportive to what I'm doing now as a coach, you know. So that kind of helps me out a lot that they understand that these guys still care in that terms of when we had that relationship as we were playing together, you know, so that means a lot to us and, and uh, the way you guys just come back and, and give back to, to this program in terms of what they do. Your, your brother, Steve, uh, how special was he? I know the, uh, you were at the Titans was it, a couple of years ago. The Titans did a tribute to him. I think that was a couple of years ago um, at a, at a Titans game, but how special was he? You know, I, I, I he was a special dude when he was in high school, man. I, and I always knew he was going to be special to somebody, you know. Um, you know, I just couldn't never get a read on uh, him his senior year in high school of, of which way he was going to go in terms of, of his next his next career um, playing football out of high school. And and the biggest thing was, you know, he talked about it all the time. And and uh, but everybody, you know, that recruited him from the Miamis, from the Mississippi states, and and the Florida states, and all those schools that that really wanted him. Um, went on to play defensive back. Um, and he was a good defensive back, too. Um, uh, 6'2", probably about 205, a good standard guy. And um, but he wanted to play quarterback. And I think that that everybody missed out on that part, uh, the what he wanted to do coming out of high school. Uh, so much he wanted to be like his biggest brother uh, playing that position. And uh, so Alcorn gave him that chance. And um, – he took full advantage of it, and you know, from from Alcorn to to the Houston Oilers, um, to the Tennessee Titans, uh, even the Baltimore Ravens, and um, wherever he went, you know, he was known um, as probably one of the prolific quarterbacks in in, the, in HBCU history. You know, in terms of that, the way he played the game, and and the way he took advantage of it. You know, he took total advantage of every opportunity he had when he had a chance to step on the field and play. He took full advantage of it. Uh, he played the game the way it should be played. You know, that day at Tennessee when they retired his jersey, uh, so phenomenal and just so so good that at the same time Eddie George was retiring, they were retired his jersey at the same time. So got a chance to speak for him and on his retirement of the jersey in, in Titan Stadium, and and that, that will last forever. You know, um, that retirement of that jersey will last forever for, for the Titans, the Houston Oilers, the Tennessee Oilers, and – and everybody that had a, been affiliated with, with Steve McNair and the way he played the game. Of course, Fred McNair, in his seventh season as the head football coach at Alcorn State, joins us here. The Braves open the season against Stephen F. Austin at home. Uh, coach McNair, always appreciate the time. Don't take it for granted. 
Thank you very much for doing this. Continued success to you in the break. I appreciate you, sir. Thanks for having me. We'll be back. And I keep it with me just so that I'm feeling safer. Fendi on my body, but my feet is in Bottega. I'm getting money, give a whole about a the 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. Also, Grammy Award winning Ashanti. Live and the Classic kicks off at a new time, 6 p.m. New coaches, old rivalry, and an iconic halftime battle of events. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. Methodist Hospital. Donald Ware, right here. Let's continue here on the program. We're joined by a gentleman in his first season as the head football coach at Duke. As a matter of fact, he's been on the job for about eight months or so, but he's been an assistant for quite some time, more recently as a defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Mike Elko joins us here on the program. Coach Elko, welcome uh, to Box to Row. We appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Eight months on the job so far. What has this been like for you to this point? A whirlwind. Uh, <laughs> it's been absolutely crazy. But, no, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun, you know, trying, trying to build the infrastructure, trying to put this staff in place and this organization in place, and then obviously, you know, getting to work with the kids and starting to build the culture of what we want Duke football to look like. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, been a, it's been a great eight months. I think we've gotten a lot accomplished. What is your vision uh, for Duke football? This has been a you know a, a Duke uh, program that more recently had had some success, but over a longer period of time, maybe not uh, so much. Not necessarily known as a power football program. So, what is your vision for the Duke football program? Yeah, I, I think we want to be a program that can offer the best of both worlds to our student athletes. I think we want to compete for ACC championships on the field, and we want to compete with the best students in the country on the classroom. And I think we have the ability with what we've done facilities-wise around here recently, you know, maybe not in the past, but certainly recently, uh, to put ourselves in position to do just that. Uh, what has sort of been – first-time head coach, uh, right? So what's sort of been your approach – to this as a first-time head coach from day one? Uh, I, I think, you know, preparing for the last five, six years for this position has really helped me. Um, obviously, it's it's the first time, but, but it's not the first time I thought about what I would do, how I would do something. Um, and, you know, and I just try to be, you know, really calculated in building this program into my vision. And I think I've, I've tried to put a clear vision in place for everybody who's part of it and, uh, you know, and just kind of help everybody go out and execute it in the right way possible. Is, is John Shire someone maybe that you've reached out to with him being the, you know, the, the head coach at, at, uh, for the men's program, of course, at Duke now? Yeah, absolutely. John and I have spoken and um, just just spoken with a lot of the coaches here at Duke about uh, the lay of the land, what they know about Duke. You know, we obviously have a lot of successful programs on this campus and, you know, to utilize those resources to help uh, certainly is something I've done. Mike Elko in his first season as the head football coach at Duke joins us here on Box to Row. As a matter of fact, Duke is going to open the season on Friday night, September the 2nd as Temple comes to Durham. Coach Elko, assess the spring uh, for us. Just your thoughts on spring football at Duke. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we had a really good run of it during the spring. 
I think fall camp has, has gone really well. I think we've made tremendous strides. I think, you know, when we came in the spring, there was a lot of newness, right? It was a new way to practice. It was a new offense, a new defense. Everything was so new to the kids. And then they did a great job this summer of really kind of refining, learning, becoming more masters at their craft. And I think as we've come out to fall camp, uh, we've really put ourselves in position to play a better brand of football. For you coming in, right, and of course you're no stranger to the uh, ACC, but how do you, and you've ta- we talked about how you've, uh, how you've sort of approached things, um, but w- with the spring, do you, is, I mean, in essence, is everybody's job kind of open? You, you, you have some guys that had some production, but, you know, sort of you coming into a new program being the first-year head coach, I mean, are all positions open at that point? Yeah, I think they have to be. I think, you know, one of the big cores of our program is we want to be competition based and we want kids to feel like they've got to fight for their place every single time they go out on the field and into the weight room and so you know we opened up all the depth charts we made everything wide open from a competition standpoint you know we gave everybody an opportunity to go out there and and compete for jobs um you know now you know 11 12 days into fall camp i think maybe some things are starting to settle in and some things are still wide open and, and kids are still competing and they'll compete every day Texas A&M, previous to that, Notre Dame. You've got Wake Forest, Bowling Green, uh, Hofstra. I mean, you've been on all the levels. Richmond, uh, you've been on on all of the levels. But how have those previous experiences um, sort of helped you in in, in now this position as the head football coach at Duke? Yeah, I think just like you said, experience. I think I've I've got to see football, you know, at a lot of different ways. My first my first defensive coordinator job was at the Division Three Merchant Marine Academy, and my last one was in the SEC West at Texas A and M. And I've seen about everything in between. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to build a successful football program, and the challenge is is to find the right way that fits your campus. And I think a lot of the experiences that I've had in the different places that I've worked have really set me up to know how to find the right program for Duke and how to build the right program for Duke and and make this uh, a program that kids want to be part of. Mike Elko, again, the head football coach at Duke, joins us here on the program. You know, when you're an assistant, you've been an assistant or had been an assistant uh, coach in college for 20 seasons, and now you've finally gotten that, that opportunity as a head coach. And I think you mentioned the right opportunity. Did you think that this day, in fact, would eventually come that you would get to run your own program? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, I've had, had quite a few opportunities to do it prior to this one, and none of them really seemed like the right fit or the right opportunity. And so, you know, when this one came along, and, and you know, this was one that I was really, really excited for, and so happy to be here and, and get the chance to sit in the big chair. Mike Elko, the head football coach at Duke, joins us here on the program. So you've got a bit of a quarterback battle, Jordan Moore, Riley Leonard. Talk about those two and what each of uh, those two student-athletes, young men, bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both young and talented for sure. I think uh, obviously Riley's a kid who has athleticism. I think some people, you know, assume that we have these two 
two two guys who are completely different. But Riley's got some athleticism. He throws the ball pretty well. Um, you know, he's a young kid, so there's still a little bit of up and down in his game. But he's really developing every time we go out there. And then Jordan Moore, you know, is is a dynamic electric athlete, um, you know, who also is is growing into the quarterback position well and, and throws it better than a lot of people give him credit for. And so, you know, we've got two kids battling for the position, and uh, it's been really spirited competition. And uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out here in the next, you know, five six days. Yeah, can you speak a little bit more to Jordan Moore's versatility? You you mentioned he's a good athlete, but more, and I mean, you can utilize him obviously in different ways. Yeah, I mean, he's a special athlete. And so, you know, we've actually played him all over the place this camp. We've played him at wide receiver. We've played him at running back. We've played him at quarterback. Um, He's just a kid that, you know, we're a better team when the ball is in his hands. And so we've got to get really creative with our offensive scheme to make sure that we're able to utilize his skill set in the right way, whether that's at the quarterback position uh, or elsewhere. A couple more thoughts with Duke head football coach Mike Elko, who joins us here on the program speak to some of the names coach elko at the running back position and jordan waters and jacques moore who who have had great camps and are really doing a great job for us um this camp and and terry moore is a young kid uh who i think is going to get some touches too and you know, obviously mateo was an extremely special back and uh did some really really great things here in his time at duke and then defensively, what sort of your scheme and who are some of the guys you're expecting to step up for you? Yeah, so, so you know, we're, we're kind of implementing a, a hybrid scheme. Rob Smith's our defensive coordinator, um, so it's kind of a combination of what he did and what we're doing. Um, you know, so we're based out of a four-down defense. And I think, you know, we've got some guys that, that people have, that have followed Duke football are very familiar with. Dwayne Carter up front has been a kid that's played a lot of football and played it really well. Uh, Shaka Hayward at the second level is a linebacker who, you know, we're really excited about and think he's got a, a really big year in front of him. And then, you know, Jalen Stinson in the secondary is a kid who we're really high on uh, stepping into a big role this year for us on the back end. Again, Mike Elko in his first season as the head football coach at Duke. The Blue Devils open the season on Friday, September 2nd, hosting Temple. Coach Elko, appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Blue Devils this season. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Mike Elko, the head football coach at Duke, joining us here on the program. I'm looking forward to seeing the A&T and Duke game. Very proud and fortunate to be calling A&T games uh, for the seventh season. And so Duke and A&T going to meet in Durham on September the 17th. I got to get ready to run. Thank you to Mike Elko. Thank you to Fred McNair. Thank you to Kyle Jackson for joining us today here on the program. And if you haven't been privy to the HBCU Football Daily Podcasts, I invite you to check those out. As a matter of fact, on our website at BoxToRow.com. Also, you can check those out at iHeartMedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also watch the HBCU Football Daily Podcast on the Box to Row YouTube page. As I've been telling you for a couple of months now, we have a new project. The Radio Boss Podcast is in full effect. I've had some great inter- conversations, I should say, uh, on the Radio Boss conversation, the current conversation that is up at radio-boss.com, radio-boss.com 
is the conversation uh, from, what, a couple of weeks ago now with five-time NBA All-Star John Wall now of the Los Angeles Clippers. That is a conversation you don't want to miss. We talked about a number of different things, and one of the things that he even talked about that you don't hear a lot of pro athletes really talking about, even though I know now it's, you, you, do, you have heard more athletes talking about is mental health. We talked about a number of different things with John Wall, so I want you to check out that interview at, at our new uh, project, radio-boss.com. You can also check it out on the Radio Boss YouTube page as well. And always remember to support those that support your box. Toro is produced by DW Communications.